0: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What would you like to get off your chest? Are you holding on to secrets, fears, or frustrations? We all carry around different stressors, both big and small. Don't keep it all bottled up inside. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and work through whatever is weighing you down. It's also a great way to learn to resolve conflict, change negative thought patterns, and more. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com/slash be here now today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp H E L P dot com slash Be Here Now.
1: That's D-R-S-V-O-B-O-D-A. Hello, and welcome to Living with Reality. I'm Paula Crossfield, your host and Dr. Subota's media manager. On this episode today, Dr. Subota talks all about resilience and uses the life story of Harriet Tubman as an example. We think you'll enjoy this and that it's really pertinent for this time. Before we jump right in, I wanted to let you know that you can check out all of Dr. Svoboda's online courses at drsvoboda.teachable.com. That's D-R-S-V-O-B-O-D-A. The latest course is called Kundalini, and it's all about how to work safely and effectively with this energy. Dr. Svoboda wrote all about Kundalini in his second Agora book, all about his relationship with his mentor, the Agori Vimalananda, and his teachings. We hope you enjoy the course, and here's the episode.
2: Today, I want to talk about a topic that I think is very pertinent to the extremely uncertain times in which we live, and that topic is the principle of resilience. Um. As I often like to do, I took that word resilience, which is a word that I I find very valuable. Um, I often e- equate it to adaptability, and it's a quality that I have um, appreciated in myself when I have been able to be adaptable. It's a quality that I very much respected in my mentor, Vimalananda, and uh, one of the Greatest compliments that he gave me or at least one of the compliments that I felt best about that he gave me was Once in passing he said to someone I'm never worried about About my robbie. I'm no I know that even if everything else goes wrong in his life. He will Find something to do to keep uh, to keep uh, um, Himself uh, Moving forward and doing what he knows he wants to do if he LLs fails. Uh, he loves to travel and likes to drive. He, he can drive a taxi. And I said, uh, absolutely, that's exactly what I could do. Not only did I feel like I could do it, but I felt like he was so confident that I could somehow figure out a way to uh, continue ahead doing what I, my personal dharma is, following my own path through the world. That that gave me extra confidence to continue to do that, and often, of course, it's very difficult um, to feel like we can move forward. Especially this, we're we're living nowadays, especially nowadays, because we're we're all of us living in a world that is is quite unsafe in in many ways. Um, the world has always been unsafe, but there have been times when we have been able to feel like it's safer and. Often that has made us, many of us um, um, sort of relax and think that we don't have to continue addressing all of the challenges that we have. Uh, And now it's just becoming much more evident that there just are so many challenges that we have that we're going to have to face them. And sometimes things are not going to be safe. And sometimes things are not going to be um, encouraging us in the way that we think we need to keep moving forward. So, um, so that's where um, that's where that's where I think it's important to understand both the nature of resilience and adaptability, but also uh, understanding that it's quite essential that we apply that quality in the context of right action, and that means right orientation to. Our own personal path through life, through the reality of the world that we live in, and um, through through whatever we can, whatever we can do to try to make things move in a good direction, both for ourselves and and for others. Um, I, I'm very fond of the Sanskrit language, and I often uh, try to find exact translations for uh english words uh, in sanskrit so i can understand how those concepts um, uh manifest themselves differently in in different languages um and the reality is that some sanskrit words simply don't have exact uh equivalents for example the word guilt g-u-i-l-t is a very common word uh in english but there is no precise translation for guilt in sanskrit there are words that acknowledge that you have done something wrong There are words to acknowledge that you have to have a sense of responsibility about it but there's no sense of guilt in the sense of being aware of what you did wrong and holding on to it tenaciously instead of acknowledging i did this wrong the karma for that is something i am going to have to pay off but that's in the past and what i can do now is change what i do so that i am not performing that unwise action i am now performing wiser actions and whatever the uh whatever the reaction that's going to happen as a result of these previous actions i'm going to somehow have to deal with that and i'm going to have to move forward and move in the direction that i know is right so um it's the same way with that word resilience, even the word adaptability. There are kind of sort of Sanskrit ex, uh, uh, e- e- uh, uh, equivalents, but, but they're really not commonly used and they're not exact. Um, what there is uh, uh, an exact equivalent for, in fact, more than one exact equivalent for is the concept of being resolute. The concept of being determined, the concept of being um, willing to continue moving forward in the direction that you're going. And of course, this can be used for <clears throat> moving in the right way and the wrong way. And that's why we always have to focus on knowing that we're going in a good way, an unselfish way, a way that will benefit us, but also will benefit um, other people will benefit if at all possible all sentient beings so um, that there there are many words in sanskrit for that there's the word drda which means firm there's the word sattva which means you have a clear perspective of what's true and accurate there's the word sthira, which means stable and well-established um, so there there's there's a number of different concepts that relate to you to that capacity for an individual to move forward when they're challenged Um, and that capacity of course can be misused simply because you are resilient simply because you're resolute still does not mean that you're moving in the right direction there are many great despots of history have been resolute and resilient and They have, whenever they have been put into a situation where they had to adapt, they adapted because they were focused in the direction they wanted to go. But Adolf Hitler and Mao Zedong and Joseph Stalin were going in the wrong direction. They ended up creating death and misery for tens of millions of people. So it's extremely important that we determine the direction That we need to go in and then we make sure that that direction is right for us and is going to have a a non-detrimental effect on the world the people around us the plants around us the, the animals around us the environment That we're working in a direction. We're working for something that is really required and really desired And this of course is something that is natural In nature it's not it's it's not just something that humans uh uh, that that's a human characteristic what what is noteworthy about humans is we can be aware of these concepts we can be aware of these characteristics and attempt to to promote to cultivate these characteristics in ourselves when they're desirable so the characteristic of being resolute is what's going to make you resilient. Once you're determined that you're going to move forward, that will make you resilient because you won't, you won't let yourself um, despair. You won't let yourself become overconfident or underconfident. You won't let yourself feel like I have achieved everything. I don't need, to, don't need to worry anymore. I've done everything I can do because you will never be able to do everything you can do to be making the world a better place for you, having lived in it. So that's really what our all, all of us that should be our aim, and that's something that we we'll, should be aware of, aware of continuing to do as long as we live, and um, and, and and understanding that our and that our personal comprehension of what that means may change as um, as we get older as we gain more experience, as we learn more from other people and always being ready to alter how we interact with the world to achieve our goal, always be refining that goal and always take the help of good examples, good examples who can provide us hints as to to how we can when we feel we are under pressure, when we are in adversity, how we feel that we can activate beneficial qualities in ourselves to assist us to keep moving forward. And um, so I think it's good to look at a few examples of that. Um, and I think a good place to begin is um, is with the natural world, even before we go to the, con- to, to the question of humans. Um, In the natural world, um, there are many plants that are called weeds and a weed is a plant that grows very enthusiastically in a place that a human being does not want it to grow. There's no concept of weed in the natural world. The concept of the natural world is, um, I am the natural world. There are plants growing here. There are plants growing there. This plant is growing. I'm supporting it. That plant is growing. I'm supporting it. Then the plants have to develop a relationship among themselves. Humans come in though and they say that this is a good plant and that is a bad plant. And the problem with humans is sometimes we feel like a plant is a good thing at one time. Then we decide it's a bad thing at another time. Then later on, again, we decide it's a good thing. And one very a fine example of this is the hemp plant. When you have a hemp plant that has almost no THC in it, um, that's a very different thing from a marijuana plant that has a lot of THC in it. So back in the Revolutionary War days and afterwards, um, everyone was expected to grow hemp. George Washington was very uh, enthusiastic about Making uh, hemp spread uh, in all around in as many directions as possible because its fiber was extremely valuable for making ropes and all kinds of other things. So for a long time, hemp was uh, hemp. The cultivation of hemp was supported by the federal government, and at that time, it was not a weed; it was a valuable crop. And then, when the war on drugs came in, people decided that, in fact, Hemp was the devil's weed. It was a terrible thing. We must eradicate it everywhere. It was defoliated It was hacked down. It was burned. It was um, Suppressed as much as it could but hemp is an enthusiastic plant and um, We started calling it a weed because of course it continued to grow it it grows Enthusiastically wherever it gets a chance because that's what it does it likes to grow and so for a long time hemp was growing despite human beings. First in this country, in the US, it was growing because of human beings, then it started growing despite human beings. And now we're back to the point where hemp is good again. We have hemp oil, we have CBD. Again, we have hemp fiber. We can, the hemp is a very useful plant. And now suddenly it's gone from being evil back to being good again. So now, of course, it has not been actively developed in a positive way all over all this time because we were trying to suppress it so fortunately what's happened is in many places where humans either couldn't get to or didn't bother the hemp plant continued to grow it continued to develop it continued to evolve on its own and fortunately because we as humans were not completely effective In our wrong-headed resolve, our wrong-headed determination to be dictatorial uh, in the context of the external environment, very fortunately for us, we're now in a situation where we can go to those places where the plant uh, was able to keep growing. We can go to those places, be thankful to the plant, take those seeds, and now again start to support the active growing of hemp now that we realized again how valuable it is. So the hemp never bothered about our opinion of it. It simply took advantage of wherever it could find a little bit of soil and it sprouted and it moved ahead. It didn't worry. Some places were not safe. That's true. Some places uh, did not encourage it to grow well. Other places encouraged it to grow well. It grew as best it could in every possible place. Um, and of course, uh, that is very much what uh, Jesus was talking about in the parable of the mustard seed. He said to his disciples, if you had as much faith as one, one seed of the mustard plant, you could tell a mountain to move and it would move. And why he said that was because uh, that seed will fall Wherever it falls, if it gets the right conditions, it will start to grow. It will actively move ahead and attempt to attempt to express itself in the best possible way, however uh, challenging those conditions may be. Um, in India, um, I see this every time I walk out the door in Bombay because the people tree or ashwata, the tree under which Lord Buddha became enlightened, grows enthusiastically some people it being a holy tree nobody calls it a weed but you will see on the sides of buildings tiny people trees growing they will grow anywhere and um it's often the case that if you let them continue to grow they will eventually tear down the building i've seen that happen too so despite the fact that there's almost no there's maybe a teaspoonful of dirt on the uh to begin with in the place where the seed sprouted and start to grow started to grow the seed will continue to grow it will find a little extra dirt it will wait for the water to come to it it will enjoy the sun and it will keep moving forward um and this brings me to the human example that i would like to um uh bring forward to you this more uh today and that is of harriet tubman harriet tubman is a name that, happily, has become um, much better known than it was even when I uh, was um, a child. Uh, when I grew up, there were very few, um, very few examples of um, Black people from in American history who were being presented to us as. Um, Good examples. George Washington Carver was one. The name of Harriet Tubman came up, but nobody really talked about her life story, which is very impressive. And I think it's particularly to me, it's very impressive that she has been chosen to replace Andrew Jackson on the $20 bill because Andrew Jackson was also resilient. Andrew Jackson was also resolute, but in my opinion, in mostly the wrong direction. He was very resolute about supporting slavery. He was very resolute about discouraging abolition He was very resolute about suppressing native americans. He fought. Um, he stole Immense land from the creek indians. He fought the seminole indians and of course he um initiated the trail of tears exporting um, thousands of natives um, to the west uh, and in with in under horrific conditions with great misery and and suffering and death. He was resolute. He was moving in the direction he thought was right. And it was very much the wrong direction. Harriet Tubman started out without any of the benefits that Andrew Jackson had. She was born a slave. She started working as a nursemaid when she was five or six she was beaten regularly she was beaten and whipped by various masters as a child as an adolescent as an adolescent she suffered a traumatic head wound when a white overseer threw a heavy metal weight at another slave and it hit harriet instead and she had that the pain and the suffering from that head injury Uh, followed her her, and, and aggravated her, her entire life. But it did cause her to start having strange visions and vivid dreams. And it started to make her think about a different path than the one that her owners and overseers wanted her to follow. So when she was about age 27, she escaped from slavery. And she made it to Philadelphia. And she could have simply remained there been a, and, and, and found a, a established a new life for her and lived comfortably. But she refused to do that. She insisted to go back and she went back 12 or 13 times. First, she brought her family out of slavery. Then she guided dozens of other people to slavery. She never lost a passenger. She was a uh, conductor on the Underground Railway. They started calling her Moses because she led her people to freedom. And she kept moving people away from slavery because she was resolute. She was focused on what was the right thing to do. And the right thing was to break down the system of slavery. And she might not be able to do it from a position of being uh, a a, 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 a Uh, an elected official or a general or whatever. She could only do it in the way that she could do it, but she never wavered from the focus that she had understood was her life's work. In 1858, she met John Brown, the noted abolitionist, and she helped him plan his 1859 raid on Harper's Ferry, Virginia, which in many ways was the the first battle of the Civil War, well before the Civil War was actually started two years later. Um, She helped recruit supporters for that raid. She continued to focus on freeing slaves. During the Civil War, um, she worked for the Union Army as a cook, as a nurse, and then she became a scout and a spy. She became not only a scout and spy, but the first woman to actually lead an armed expedition in the war. She was in charge of the raid on Combahee Ferry, which liberated more than 700 slaves. So she started out as a slave herself, and by the Civil War, she was leading leading an army of her own. And she was continuing to do what she needed. She knew she needed to do, and that was um, free the slaves. After the war, even though the slaves are now freed, even though she had she had worked hard to free them, even though she had worked as a scout and spy for the Union Army, she never got any converse, con, compensation. She never got um, a, a regular salary. She was never recognized by the United States government. She lived in a state of poverty. Four years after the war, during a train ride in New York, the conductor told her to move into the baggage car. She refused to do that. She showed the conductor papers issued by the U.S. government that entitled her to ride in that particular car. And the conductor when she refused to do that the conductor other passengers dragged her away broke her arm threw her in the baggage car and um eventually while other white people who were passengers were cursing her and shouting for the conductor to kick her off the train um there was a big um incident that of course she refused to cooperate with because she was focused on making whatever statement that she could make with her existence, not just by talking, but making a personal statement of what she knew was the right thing to do and doing it. Um, because of that head injury she had, she eventually, um, requested a surgeon to do brain surgery on her Um, she did not get any anesthesia she chose instead to bite down on a bullet as she had seen civil war soldiers do when their limbs were being amputated so biting down on a bullet the doctor sawed open her skull and got rid of some of the uh the scar tissue and she, she became more comfortable. She was still lived in great poverty. Despite of all of her work, she was, she was s- still not being supported by her environment, but until she became so old and so frail that she could no longer do anything to, to pursue the goal that she was pursuing, she finally was admitted to a rest home that was originally created by her named in her honor and eventually around the age of 90 she finally died now in 1913 when she died she was of course as often as the case after people die she was started people started to recognize her as being a noteworthy individual. But 1913 was the time when Woodrow Wilson was about to resegregate the federal government. The Ku Klux Klan was very big. There was great suppression of stories like the story of Harriet Tubman. And so, even though she was being mentioned in history, it was in a very low key, understated way. So, happily, we're now getting to know mo- more and more about some of the people who. Whose names either we knew and have been forgotten, or we never knew before. We're getting to know more about people who were resolute, even when they were not recognized during their lives, even when, even when they were, they were the uh, what they did was suppressed uh, during their lives and later. Just like a hemp plant, just like a mustard seed, relentlessly, resolutely, they continued moving forward. And this is something we're all going to have to do now. We all need to make sure that we're going in the right direction, whatever that direction is that's right for us. And right for us can only be right for us if it's right enough for everyone around us, for and everyone, the humans, the two-leggeds, the four-leggeds, the six-leggeds, the eight-leggeds, the plants, everything in the environment. It has to be something that that we're doing that is going to not just benefit us but at least not be detrimental to everything that's around us and that's really what resilience is you can you can have a certain degree of inbuilt resilience especially if you have um if if you're not being continuously challenged all the time once you start being challenged and nowadays all of us are being challenged once you start being challenged that's where you find out really how resilient you really are. And, and then you discover that that resilience is emerging from resolution. So if you really want to be able, and all of us are going to have to live through these coming days, whether we want to or not, we're going to have to live through what's, what's in our future. Whatever our karmas, and our karmas means our personal karmas as individuals, the karmas of the country that we're living in, the karmas of all the humans on earth and all the things our species has done ever since we've started to alter things in the world. Um, when, when, you're in a, when, when each one of us is in our, each individual situation, we will all be having more challenges uh, than we have had possibly ever. And sometimes we're going to feel like those challenges are just too much. But when you do, remember the hemp plant, remember Harriet Tubman, remember that here were these situations, here were these these environments that were not only not encouraging these individuals, but also actively discouraging, actively trying to prevent them from doing what they knew was right, prevent them from following their path through the world. So sometimes, absolutely, it's going to seem very much like you're being that the, it's going to seem like everything and everyone is, is conspiring to prevent you from doing what you know is right. And this is going to be then at that moment that you're going to have to try to find inner firmness, inner stability, inner calm. If the world around you is not safe, create a safe space in yourself the world around you is definitely not calm create a calm space in yourself find a way to focus on what is really important to you and you may it may be the saguna form of the supreme reality it may be a, a, for example a deity it might be the nirguna form just that reality of awareness that has no qualities that is everywhere present and and is radiant in all directions at the same time but whatever it is that is the ultimate that is the thing that you are headed towards and always keep your eye on that supreme reality and one way or another if you keep your eye on that reality you're going to find yourself moving in the direction of that reality sometimes you will move You'll make a wrong move. And that's where the resilience will come in, which will come in because you're resolute. You, you will discover you've done something that's not right. And then you could wallow in guilt and be, and be defensive and you could do all kinds of things to focus on what you've done wrong. Instead of doing that, however, you will be better off remembering that wrong step keeping it in mind, but not letting it prevent you from then making another step that is right. Acknowledge what you've done wrong, take responsibility for it. And we're all going to be making mistakes. As Vimalananda said, human beings always make mistakes. You should never be embarrassed about making a mistake. What you should do though, is be very resolute about always making different mistakes. If you always are evaluating carefully what you've done and trying very genuinely to move in that direction that you need to go, first of all, this will assist you to see better what that direction is. It's sometimes it's easiest to see what the right direction is when for some time you go in the wrong direction. So that doesn't mean actively try to go in the wrong direction. That means keep trying to go in the right direction. When you find yourself not going in the right direction, immediately start going in the right direction. Do not fall prey to guilt. Do not get into some kind of complicated head game. And do not forget what you did that was in the wrong direction. But that very fact that you went off the path that you should have been on will give you A new perspective on what that path you should be on is. And that will assist you to continue to move in the right direction. So that's what resilience really is. It's you're moving in the right direction and then you stray from the path. To be resilient, that means you get back onto the path. You fall off the horse, you get back on the horse. You fall off the bicycle, you get back on the bicycle. Every time you fall, you get back up and you continue moving. And, um, Rumi in one of his poems says, come, come dance with us, come sing with us, come celebrate the reality of, 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 the, of the divine. It doesn't matter if you've broken your vows a hundred times, come, come back and be with us and try again. So that's what resilience is really all about. And that kind of determination, that kind of resolution to keep moving towards the goal is what really is going to get all of us through this upcoming period of challenge that we currently are in. And we're going to continue moving through as these next days, um, approach and, uh, and arrive. So remember your own personal dharma, your path through the world. Remember the examples of those who have followed their dharma in a positive way. Examine very carefully those who have followed the wrong dharma, thinking it was the right thing to do, and then keep moving forward. Thank you very much and have a blessed day.
0: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What would you like to get off your chest? Are you holding on to secrets, fears, or frustrations? We all carry around different stressors, both big and small. Don't keep it all bottled up inside. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and work through whatever is weighing you down. It's also a great way to learn to resolve conflict, change negative thought patterns, and more. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com/slash/be here now today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. dot com/slash/be here now.